Meet me at the waterfront after the social. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Real Thrills Podcast. I am Jay, and I'm here with my friend, Eric. Hello, Eric. How are you? Hello, everyone. Good evening. Fantastic. How are you, Jay? Oh, it's, it's a wonderful... We're actually recording on a Monday night tonight because we had we were busy people. We were busy bees over the weekend, so here we are. We're, we're dropping this... Well, we're recording this on a Monday. I'm going to drop it on a Tuesday, so uh, I apologize for all those listeners out there that was expecting a nice podcast on Monday. But, uh, hey, you know, if you listened in the intro of our shows, Eric does a fantastic job and always tries to bring an element of the movie into our lives to kind of kick off this show. And we are doing Sleepaway Camp. And this was recorded, actually came out in 1983. 83. And in that intro to our show was the real Felissa Rose. That's Angela. Doing a cameo. Tell us about that, Eric. So I purchased a or commissioned a cameo from Felissa Rose uh, last year for my buddy Jared's birthday. Um, Jared, I know you're not listening, so fuck you. Um, <laughs> but you should be listening. <laughs> but Felissa Rose was like the perfect, uh, you know, Jared and I and. Um, uh, another friend of ours, Liam, uh, we used to uh, spend the weekends together watching horror movies in my bedroom and uh, Sleepaway Camp was at the top of our list. We watched it all the time. And so it was really fitting for a nice birthday gift to get uh, Felissa Rose to do a little, uh, you know, That's awesome. a little cameo for him. So just wanted to plug that it was fantastic. Well worth the money. So if you're looking for uh, that horror friend uh, of yours as a special gift, um, check out Cameo. Yeah, and and he actually played the video for me, and uh, she aged very well. She's a smoke very show, well. oh, so yeah. I'm sure I'm sure uh, Jared loved that. You know, easy easy on the eyes as she uh, grew into her. What what was the uh, comment from the movie? We we already we already teased it ourselves, but let, what what did you mention about her uh, in the movie? So uh, there's a scene in the movie where uh, Judy says that Angela's a real carpenter's dream, flat as a board, and needs a screw. And uh, Felissa Rosa blossomed yes. quite a bit. So. That's, a, that's a good word. That's yes. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's. Well, you, you know, we could get as dirty as we want because this movie was pushing the envelope left and right. So, oh, big time. Uh, a lot of potty mouth, young teenagers. Uh, it it's not like your your typical Friday the Thirteenth where you got these teenagers. There were teenagers that. Weren't nice and did bad things, but uh, to be honest with you, the kids were awful. You know, like oh, to terrible. each other, and, and and you think about that. It at that age, they, we are awful to each other. So that's true. It was very, uh, very good insight to if you recorded and, and did a video or a movie, and these are how these kids really act. It was pretty close. <laughs> was oh, I like, think so. The only the only part I think that threw me off is like you know these kids are like. You fucking prick! I'll kill you. But then they later on in the movie, there's a scene where um, they get some kids to do um, a pretty shitty thing by just saying, "What are you, chicken? Bark, bark, bark!" I'm like, I don't know if that plays. <laughs> it's a little <laughs> 1950s. <laughs> but I'm telling you, if it's 1983 and they were using these kids, uh, peckerheads and cocksuckers, to be honest, I I think that was ahead of its time. I I didn't know that was, that was lingo back then. That was definitely words that I was dropping at 13, 14, but, uh, I, I was surprised when I heard that. I was like, wow, that's, that's some good dialogue there. Yeah. They, they were fluent in uh, what would become pretty typical teenage language. Harassment. (laughs) And, and, and that is a a very big theme in this movie that, that we'll get into. For sure. Um, but let's start off. Let's get a little synopsis of background on the movie. Eric, uh, what do you got for us? So the main notes I have, um, again, like you said, Jay, 1983, this film came out. Um, the writer slash director, uh, Robert Hiltzik, um, as far as I can understand, this is the only movie he did. Yeah, he just stayed with this. Once it made a lot of money, 
I mean, we alluded to this as we were having a conversation. This movie actually made 30 times more than it was actually, you know, was to create it, which is pretty amazing. So if it, you know, that that is an astounding number for this type of movie, like well, low budget. Well, let me just say the reason they saved so much on the budget was, did you see how small the outfits were? There were, there were crop tops everywhere for both <laughs> men and women. So the, the budget for the fashion was uh, very small. So I think that true, probably is where they did a lot of their scenes. A lot of baby suits. And yeah, so there was a lot, a lot of lake scenes, but uh, we'll get into all that. But yeah, no, he, he kind of stuck with his, once he made one, he's like, I'm not messing with the recipe and made like four or five more. It's just, yeah, did the trick. So um yeah, he uh, he nailed it with this one. <laughs> yeah, he found a recipe and he just kept cooking. So yep. uh, good job. Um, and I guess for like a brief summary um, or synopsis, synopsis. You had to narrow it down. Like I what, mean, we could we could get into it. I could really like go through the entire movie, which um, I mean, we could probably do quickly. But you know, I think just in terms of the over, um, you know, the underlying theme of the the movie is that you know there's this. Um, pretty traumatized young girl um, and she is traumatized because her father and brother are killed in a boating accident Mm -hmm. and so you're stepping on the opening scene a little bit but it's it's okay yeah we have a a traumatized 13 year old girl going through puberty so we think and uh wink wink and just and just being at camp with a bunch of kids that are just obnoxiously rude Yep, she's there with her cousin, so he's like sticking up for her. He's, you know, kind of holding it down, making sure no one bullies her too much. But she's quiet, very, very shy, and she's trying to find her way. And during, you know, her stay there, we start seeing all this um, chaos unfold at the camp. We see um, people start to turn up dead, and um, kids are leaving camp. And this finally, you know, turns the camp uh, administrator completely bonkers. He goes on a rampage trying to find out who's been doing all this, who's the perpetrator. And he gets it himself. (laughs) So I guess uh, mystery unsolved. Um, Robert Stack might want to do an episode about that. (laughs) And ultimately, we find we come to this ending scene where we figure out who the killer finally is. And it's a shocker. Oh yeah. This was like a crime thriller. Like it, oh, yeah. it, it wasn't even, you don't know as you're going throughout the whole movie, you, you think it's leading one direction. It's going into another, uh, you, they have their theories and they're trying to figure this out. Uh, but yet camp still keeps going. They just keep trugging on as, yep. as people get killed and injured. And, and, uh, you know, you, you got to keep the camp alive, man. You, you got to keep the doors open. And, uh, and, and Mel did a good job or did he, you know, Mel, Mel is a pretty shady, shady we, we will individual. definitely get into oh, Mel. Yeah. He's he's got, he's a character. So I think the reason that this movie has stayed with me for a long time and it's been one of my longtime favorites. Um, obviously, you know the the major twist of an ending that I think really kind of shocks people. Um, I think it became a cult classic probably because of that. It's sort of like um, you know if you if you saw it and your friends hadn't like you want to show it to them like you want to shock them you want to surprise them. It's like playing your grandmother like cannibal corpse for the first time. She's like, what the fuck just happened? What is going on in my ears right now? Um, so I think that that sort of surprise element, if you want to share a good horror movie and like freak people out a little bit, this is the movie that will do that. And here we are. We're talking about it for all you listeners. If you haven't seen it, go see it. It's uh, I, I saw it for free with ads on IMBD. Uh, on through Amazon. So if you have a subscription, just go ahead and type in IMBD TV or movies, whatever the uh, app is. Yep. And there it is. And and they have the other ones too there. So that's how I watched yep. it. I watched it actually today. And so did you, right? Right yep. before the show. Yep. And uh, yeah, it was all there. And and like I said, I I haven't seen this for over twenty years, like somewhere somewhere in the late nineties. And it was just one of those walk into Blockbuster video, looked at, didn't know much about, you know, judging a book by its cover, really, right? Yeah. And just being like, oh, sleepaway camp, bunch of kids that, you know, I, I immediately thought Friday the 13th. And I was like, all right, I'm sure this is going to be great. And, it, and it, like you said, twists and turns all the way. And it was kind of like a, a thriller, crime, horror. And then when, it, when the twist comes at the end... 
what we would consider the drop, if you want to consider it that late in the movie, oh, I, I don't know if I, my jaw hit the ground. I, yeah. I, I didn't know what to do after it was over. I, I wanted to take a shower, I think. And, and if you haven't seen the movie, I'd recommend pause this podcast right now <laughs> and go watch it and then come back because we don't want to spoil what will probably be one of the most shocking endings for <laughs> a horror movie that you'll see. This is right. no M. Night Shyamalan. This is... This is way before that time, yeah. And this is gritty and raw, and yeah, hundred percent spoiler alert. Like we always, you know, disclaim. But uh, anything else? So eighty three. You got the director. Uh, something that held up really well in this movie, I think. Eighty four minutes long, everybody. So if you're gonna go watch it, it is a quick under an hour and a half. Uh, easy, easy breezy. <laughs> so you, you don't even you don't even know it's over and it's over. So it's and uh, and most of the action is literally within the last 20 minutes. It, it, it just, it's like gangbusters. Yeah. The, the, lots of death scenes in this one, you know, compared to the movies we've done so yeah. far, this one's probably got four times the amount of kills in it. So certainly if you're someone about who's a dozen, yeah, if you're, if you're there for the gore, um, you don't get to see a lot of it directly, but, um, pretty good special effects. I would say for the time, yeah. um, I think they did a good job at, you know, a lot creating of Hitchcockian type, like, you know, what's happening. Oh, yeah. you see shadows really good. Like you're not. And I think they had to do a lot of that because a lot of kids on set. Yeah. So they couldn't go too crazy. I think not it was a lot co- of stunt doubles. I think, it was, I think it was cognizant of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Low budget and just made a crushing at the box office. And because of what you said, some of the elements that in the themes that we're going to talk about is why this was a cult classic. Yep. So, uh, I, I, and again, ahead of its time in that manner as well. Uh, I, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, even with Peter and Angela, they were brother and sister. Opening scene. Yep. Um, they had a gay, gay, gay parents, mm-hmm. gay dads, and I'm like, whoa, you know, like, all right, like, good, brava, like 1983. Go, f- good for you. Like, where was that? You know, all the time, and 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 this movie had it, and it was just like you're kind of like taking it back a little bit, but at the same time, you're like, this is why it did what it did, and that's why it had a following that it had because it's like there was no boundary. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'll say that with with this film, you know, I think like what makes it special is yeah, again, that low budget. It's that unknown actor it's the the kids in the movie it's the writing it's the terrible overacting in many scenes um but it just works i mean it just works and you know the it's a movie that i think you would look past really easy in the in the video store because okay we don't have video stores anymore i apologize for saying this people are like what (laughs) the fuck are you talking about Or you're searching through amazon and you see an icon you might skip it because you're you're actually wearing the shirt shirt. it's kind of it's kind of a cheesy cover it looks like kind of um you know like um a bad thriller um kind of a book from the 80s or like something you'd find like at the scholastic book fair that tries to look like it's a little bit horror but it's like you know knife through this like tennis shoe and then and there's a note attached you, like goosebumps yeah it's like a, a goosebumpsy is, kind of thing yeah. so you're like you're right. Oh, all right i'm looking at your shirt and i'm like yeah goosebumps. Like, yeah you know you you might not vibe with it but um definitely not one to no. pass up on the reason i rented it for the first time and i'm i'm gonna say this is like i'm gonna say 95 96 Okay. I'm like nine or 10 years old, but I had the card to um, the local, what they would call Video Studio 12. It was the movie store down the road for me. I had the card and they had a seven movies for seven days for $7.77. Jeez. So I would go and I would just go to the horror catalog and I would just rent seven movies and watch them for the week. Um, and this one always stuck with me, even till today. That's why we're talking about it this many years later. And I watch it probably once a year if I can. Um, and if I'm going to talk about to someone about horror or getting into horror or going to shoot the shit about movies, like this one will, is always going to come up in my back pocket. Yeah, and I feel sorry for all the really young listeners, young kids out there that ever come across this podcast and don't know what that's like to walk into a a blockbuster or a video store and to just go down an aisle and just see a genre of like because. What that is, it's the people that work there are expressing their feel, their yep. feelings on the shelves. And they want you to pick those things up. They want you to come to the front of the counter and they want to ask questions about why you picked that. And, and, or if it's like a, 
you know, I always liked the aisles where it was like the uh, clerk's choice or, or whoever was working oh, there, yeah. like, you know, hey, staff picks or whatever. But, uh, and I, I guarantee these were on there, you know, like on those staff picks because it was, it was a movie like that that it, it, it was like a gem to say, I'm going to throw this in as like a wild card and you're going to watch it and never forget it. That, that's really what it is. You'll never forget when we get through this podcast, it. Yeah. And the, and the difference between, I'll just say real quick, the difference between Blockbuster and Video Studio 12, Video Studio 12, very large porn collection out back behind these two like swinging saloon doors. Oh, yeah. And what was very uncomfortable is that most of the most of the people that worked there were high school students, and I'm pretty sure that like half the the teachers from the local school would go back there and pick out. I think a lot of them watched the Boneyard, which we talked about in our first uh, our first <laughs> podcast. Boneyard, so if you yeah. haven't heard um, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre episode, uh, please go back yeah, to go uh, number check one. Check it out. You'll learn all about the Boneyard. Yes. All right. So I think did we get through the synopsis? We kind of get it. Get. I think got, we got, got it. There. I think we're ready for the opener. All right. So we're gonna do a little shake up as the segments go along. Um, just because this movie had a lot. It's called Classic, so it kind of went in different directions. But we'll try to stick to it as best we can, uh, and we're going to start right at the opening scene. So, Eric, go ahead and take us through the opening scene, and I'll, I'll jump in with some dialogue that I got. Sure. So, again, spoiler before opening scene, um, we see Papa. John? Papa John. <laughs> Her fa- Angela and Peter's dad. Well, which, yeah. which dad? Um, the one on the boat, John. The one on the boat, John. Um, so it's John, Peter, and Angela. Yeah, not Papa John though. He's not, not really Papa, John. Papa John. No, he's not. He's not there. <laughs> but yeah, I don't. Pete, I don't know his uh, his husband on the shore. I don't know his name. Yeah, I can't. I can't I, recall. I don't remember. Anyway, just so we got John p- painting the picture here. John, Angela, Peter on a sailboat on a lake, and so they're hanging out, and it kind of flashes to these. Um, I guess they're counselors. It seems like they're at the camp. There, there's some oh, yeah. counselors. And they are, um, we've got the male counselor and we've got what seems to be probably a camper and he's trying to impress her. They're riding in the, in the speedboat and they've got this very reluctant girl on the back. She's like, please get me off of this. Screaming the whole time. Bloody murder on, on, uh, water skis. Yeah. The girl in the boat is, is she wants to take a spin on it. She wants to drive. She wants to get going. So kind of flashes back. You've got John, Peter, Angela, and Okay, when did these kids, these kids are talking like Mike Piazza. They're like, they got these thick accents. They're like, hey, oh, Papa. The whole movie. <laughs> they had Yankee shirts and water and, oh, man. It was like they were straight from Long Island. Oh, they came straight off. Yeah, they took that boat from Long Island there to Camp Arawak, I think. That's, that's. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the, the cop, you know, later in the scene, there was a cop. He had a shirt on. It's like Hudson Valley or something like. Yeah, I buy it. So they're, they're up in the Westchester area of like new york state yeah so it's a bunch of long island kids yeah. heading to this camp which is just for that is fun to to listen oh, to. oh yeah the dialogue they're, between they're them yeah and um which 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 now really understands the potty talk throughout the whole movie right. and the anyway i digress and so you get a little bit of you, they, the dialogue. I think is there to lead you a little bit into what what you're going to see later on. You know, um, you hear um, the the dad on the shore, and he's yelling, "John, come on, we got to get going. We got to go see the doc." As he's saying, "The doc, the doc," and then you find out that the doctor is John's sister, um, Aunt Martha, right? Mar- Doctor Martha Thomas. Yeah. And so we keep saying the doc, that's the aunt, because um, Angela says, oh, is Ricky going to be there? Yeah. No, Ricky's out with his, he's at his father's, you know, spending the yeah. the, the weekend or something. Um, and so they're having this chit chat and the kids, they decide to play a little prank on Papa and they tip the boat. Everyone it falls off. Capsizes the little dinghy. Yep. So they've got their flotation devices on and they all fall into the water. And of course, dad says... You little schemesters! <laughs> yeah, he gets very animated with that. Yeah, is that a is that a word? <laughs> I, I mean, I guess schemesters. I mean, he's got the least of the accent out of all of them. He's like these schemesters. They're like <laughs> horse acting. Uh, this guy, what do you fall off a boat? <laughs> Literally, yeah. just like oh, I'm in a movie. So unfortunately, the uh, counselor from the boat. He is ultimately, he gives in to the temptation 
of the thought that he might get he might score with this uh, this camper. So he decides to let her drive the boat. Um, she's pretty pedal to the metal, I would say. You know, she's keeping a good pace, but they're not paying attention. No, right? They're no. just. They're the girl, the girl is yelling, there's a boat up ahead. So they're coming straight at what is this tipped over sailboat yeah. and all the John Angela Peter still in the water. And we've got this boat cruising directly towards them. She's screaming bloody murder on the back. They're like, what is she saying? I don't know. Then they finally f- turn around and see that there's a boat that's flipped over and by that point, some for some reason, they were unable to turn the fucking steering wheel. <laughs> and and then and then the male genius just floors it, like just floors throttles it. <laughs> all the way ahead, and 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 the boat just flies into John, pretty yeah. much. Oh yeah, and uh, and so it clears away, and you just hear the girl that was jet skiing. She's screaming, "Somebody help these people! Help these people!" Like she's just crying and yelling in the water, and you you, you don't really see what's happening. Like more of the Hitchcockian, yeah, exactly. oh, something bad what, happened. What happened? Uh, there was a ripped up life preserver. So you, you, well, even before that, you get to see the hilarious scene of John doing the worst dead man's float I've ever seen <laughs> in these khaki shorts. Like it's a really bad Dockers ad. <laughs> And then, of course, comes out of the water. We see one life preserver. So it leads you to believe that Papa's dead. Somebody's dead. And somebody else. And we lost one of the kids. Yep. Right. And so I think it flashes to one of the kids in the water still. That's okay. And then you see um, the other father on the shore and he's looking on and everyone's just in complete disbelief. Yes. Shock. And. We go into the typical shot of the house, and we see eight years later. Yeah. And other parts of the, you know, so before you get to that scene, you got the credits. This is kind of always my favorite spot because it's really a story within a story. It's a very panning shot of the camp. You got um, a very storybook Disney feel of a score happening. It's very whimsical. Uh, you've used Completely. that word yep. uh, in the past in, in, our, in some of our other pods. Then there's like small like bits and pieces of commentary as you're panning across the camp of like kids in the background playing and, and fighting and and splashing in the water or playing games. Um, so you get to see the campsite, the lake, the cabins, and then a for sale sign on, on the camp. camp Arawak. So you're just like, okay. They're selling the camp. Okay, they're selling the camp, and then and then and then pants, and then and then the first scene, just like you said, tragedy happens, right? Just right away, everyone's having fun. They're on boats, you know. Hey, I'm on a boat, <laughs> you know, having a great time, and a dad gets killed, and the kids are suffering, and one's not there. So, uh, so we we leave the opening scene. And then we get right into the movie, and then uh, let's go to our next segment, the drop. Now this this could be interesting because there's many, this could happen at any point, and uh, this this is when shit gets real. Moment, it could happen early on in the first death. It could happen in this in in, in my view at the end. <laughs> but uh, what did you have for the drop when you, when you thought shit got real? If I can just go back to one thing that I wanted to comment on the opening scene. Oh, yeah. I apologize to kill the flow here. But we get to finally meet Aunt Martha, right? And she is a fucking lunatic. She is just like, she's talking to herself. She's answering her own questions. She's just like on a whole nother planet. She's like, oh, well, that simply wouldn't do, would it? And she's like, I got you a whole bag of chips, you know? And she's just like very animated. I'm sure of it. <laughs> I'm sure of it. Yeah, it's very like, um, you know, I get a vibe of like um, whatever happened to Baby Jane kind of acting like that, like over the top, like, you know, oh, well, I'm a little bit nutty in my own head, aren't I? Well, of course I am. You know, you kind yeah, of get that vibe from it. commentary of what she's commenting about <laughs> but, but she says a very important thing so she's she's packing them up she's sending them off to camp and she says oh i have one more thing and i thought i would forget so i tied a ribbon around my finger so i wouldn't oh and i didn't and then she goes to tell them that she has their physicals because they can't go to camp without physicals and she says 
um, that she wrote them herself. Um, but don't tell anybody where they got them from. We don't want people asking questions. We don't people to need to know that they might frown upon that. Um, and so you kind of get a little bit of a, of a foreshadowing there, um, as we go into the movie that, yeah, and, and, and to play on that, the, the mother kind of says, and Ricky, like what would happen, you know, what do you say if this happens? Uh, and he says, no matter what they do, I'll never tell. And then that's when they. That's when the, that that weird interaction of the scene of Angela, grown up Angela, yep. right? You said eight years later. Ricky, the cousin, and Doctor Martha Thomas, Aunt Aunt Martha. So yeah. All right. So the drop. Okay, I'm going with the drop is um, a fantastic scene, and we can talk about it. Um, I'm going with Artie getting boiled by the. A pot of boiling water, and the four I, the four foot pot. Yeah, and so like a couple notes about that. So first of all, this fucking pot is like forty two gallons. We're talking about this looks like a hot water tank for a hotel. Yes. Um, and uh, this thing is just insanely funny with how large and ridiculous it is. And he's up on a chair, you know, trying to like tend to it and keep an eye on the boiling. But anyway, Artie, um. I'm going with a drop for Artie um, because obviously it's when you find out that something's awry at the camp. So like you start seeing like, okay, something's not right here Um, because you get to see a little bit of who will later become the killer kind of in action. Let's talk about Artie for a second. He's a piece of shit. I mean, he's... (laughs) I don't know. So in this movie, if you're thinking about the Franklin or Trevor. Trevor. (laughs) Right? So if you're thinking of the Franklin, the Trevor Award... Is Artie on that level or is Judy on that level? Because Judy lasts longer, so she's a bitch as you go along. And we'll get into that. But uh, Artie was just troublesome from the start. Oh, big time. And I think we should create a new segment called the Franklin Award. We got to give everybody yeah. a Franklin Award every so great a great idea. <laughs> yeah, cuz there's always one of those assholes in, in, in the movie and maybe maybe he's always you know considered the dropper, the best death scene. It's the one that you're like you hate. Yeah, and so Artie, he makes a comment. He sees all the kids coming to camp. Ooh, spring chickens. And he says something like along the I call them baldies. And he's sucking on a piece of grass or hay. Oh, yeah. He's very cringeworthy. Super cringy. Over the top, just like rubbing his belly. And oh, man, it, it super, super gross. And we're talking like adolescent campers here. Oh, yeah. You These know, are so, like 13 year old kids running around. So he's younger. just a total, he's a total um, Chris Pedophile. Hansen case, you know? Yeah. Pedophile. I mean,. <laughs> He, yeah. He's a pedophile. <laughs> so you learn that really early on. And um, Angela, she's not adjusting well to camp. She's not eating very much. She's keeping to herself. And so finally, Ronnie, one of the counselors, decides, I'm going to take Ronnie's her. Ronnie's great. Ronnie's oh, by great. The way. He's, anyway. he's trying to help. Yeah. He's a very Tony Danza-esque uh, character. Oh, sh- oh, yeah. um, his talents far exceed the length of his shorts. I'll say that. <laughs> he takes Angela into the kitchen and he's like, hey, listen, you know, um, this is one of our, our campers, Angela, and uh, apparently she's not a big fan of your cooking. You think you can fix her something up that she might like? And Artie's like, boy, can I? Oh, yeah. Oh, he's 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 having a, a dream come true here. You know, he starts talking all creepy to Angela, and he pulls her into the back, um, into the pantry. The walk-in cooler. You know, maybe we can find something in the walk-in cooler. Yeah, like, walk-in like, cooler. I wonder what happens in that walk-in cooler, like, uh, in the in the previous years at this camp whole nother movie yep (laughs) and so he he takes her in and he's like i think i got something here real nice that you'll like and he starts undoing his belt oh meanwhile ricky runs in and thank you what the fuck are you doing and they have a little bit of an argument he says get out of here you didn't see nothing you didn't see nothing and the kids run out and so you're like this fucking art is gonna get it right yeah he's got to um, no one's going to let that slide. A couple minutes later, they're about to make dinner. Um, Artie's like, oh, I'm waiting for this pot of boil, this wa- water to boil so I can throw the corn in. So his assistant, the sous chef, so to speak, because they call him the head chef. They call Artie the head chef at this camp. Yes. All right. They're not, they're not playing. He's got a title. Yeah. You know, and chef he, de and cuisine. He, and he, and he is, looks like <laughs> it. He's got dirty white shirt. Looks like he <laughs> rolled around in a 
in the mud out back. Like, ah, he just yeah. He's like a uh, he's like Chris Farley's character from uh, Billy Madison. Almost he kind of has that like yeah. <laughs> raggedy beard and just uh. yeah. He's he's just yeah. Again, he's a piece of shit. We'll just say yeah, hundred percent. He their their magical uh, way of making this corn is for them to use this ridiculously tall pot and then stand on a chair so that they can drop all the corn in. So um, I don't know how they're getting corn out of this thing once they get it in there. I don't know what kind of fucking shovel they have to get in this thing, but (laughs) this is just ridiculous. So he's up there and he's tending to the water and he's trying to salt it. Now, the, the interesting thing about this is that this is like, again, this is like 42 gallons worth of water in here. He's... He's salting this water like he's feeding a fucking single goldfish. I'm like, you are making no impact on this water. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like gingerly placing it in there. So he's up there. He's looking in. He's like, ooh, baby, this water's going. And then all of a sudden, you see a hand come out and grabs the chair and pulls it away a little bit. Yeah. And already kind of like tips back a little bit. Now he's stuck. He's got his hands up against the wall and his he's like, you know, he's kind of spread out here. Yeah. And so, again, this this pot of water is like at his chin at this point so he's like he's kind of stuck in this spot and he's like oh who is that who's doing this what the fuck are you doing i, I could have died you could have killed me and so he keeps talking shit the chair keeps coming out like another inch or two finally chair gets fully pulled out Artie hilariously grabs the pot on his way down comes down pours all over him and he is scolded beyond belief. There's blisters popping as you see him. His oh, hands are just like yeah. melting and he's just screaming at the top Good. of his lungs. Good riddance. And um Doesn't die. Doesn't die. Doesn't die, unfortunately. But it quickly flashes to him wrapped like a mummy um on a gurney. And you've got Mel, you've got Ronnie, and you've got a t- detective in there, and they're talking about what happened here. They're trying to keep the hush hush. Another key element, Mel. Mel. Mel is the uh, camp owner. Yep. And this guy, this guy's a, f- a fucking rock star of just the worst camp owner. And wait, what was the? Uh, have you seen Heavyweights? Is that yep. the movie with uh, Ben Stiller? Ben Stiller. Yep. So if, if there's a competition, I think Mel just crushes him. <laughs> oh yeah. So. He's like, I want to sweep everything under the rug. He, he yeah, he's wants trying to, to like him. hush hush. He doesn't want to let anyone know that this happened because. Number one, they all think it's an accident at this point. They don't think it's murder, obviously. But they just they can't don't cl- want anyone can't close the camp. Right. They don't want any accidents to to have parents thinking like this is unsafe. You kind of flash to the um you know to the rest of the the crew that's in the kitchen and they're all kind of standing there very upset and um you know Mel's like all right how do we how do we keep this hush hush and so he goes to he Ben bribes. bribes yeah Ben the sous chef um little known fact played by James Earl Jones' father. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he sounds just like James Earl Jones. Looks so. just like him. Looks just like him. I was like, that guy, that who is that guy? And I, I had to look him up and I was like, that's James Earl Jones, because they speak alike. They Robert look alike. Earl Jones. Robert Earl Jones. Yeah. And uh quick quick funny quick funny thing is that uh so Mel's like, all right, I I can I can smooth this over. So he goes to them and he's like, Well, it sounds like um, you know, you're gonna be the new one in charge. And Ben's like, Well, I wasn't thinking much of myself. And, um, he's, you know, he's talking about how, how he's like got his head down. It's such a tragedy that this happened. And Mel says, well, maybe $50 more a week will, uh, might, might, might kind of fix that or whatever. And fucking Ben, he just goes, well, I always thought he had the devil in him. <laughs> you know, yeah. he, tur- he turns on Artie in two seconds. <laughs> oh, good. You should. You, you all, should. All the times you probably looked away while kids were getting draw it off into the walk-in cooler. Yep. You know, like, yeah, who, who knows all the bad things that actually happened in that kitchen. Yeah. Uh, so he's gone. Good riddance. Artie. I mean, he he's part of a, a segment that I have in here that we'll, we'll sprinkle along this podcast, Cringe yep. Moments. Artie is a cringe moment, not just how he got boiled alive, yep. but literally everything he said and did was yep. cringe. And and again, we to me, that's the drop because from our perspective, we see that this was foul play. We see somebody did this on purpose, and while we appreciate it, we're like, something's going on here. Shit's getting real. It just got real. We've got someone that was boiled. He's having a rough go. Yeah, and, I, and for the drop for me, I I, I wrote down two. I'm not going to say one. The drop for me is the end because yep. that's when shit just got way too real. <laughs> and I was just like, what? What? Yep. Just, what did I just watch? Right. Yep. Uh, so we'll get into that later. I'll circle back to that. Sure. But uh, for 
just the movie purposes. I want to be more in the head of the movie. And it's really when you meet Aunt Martha. You already alluded to her. Yeah. Like, in, it wasn't a death, but you just saw this psychotic element of just this person who, wide eyes, just super creepy. And you're just, you just know, and deep down in your heart, something's not right. Like, she's a doctor. And of she's, what? Who knows? Right. Good God. And she says to Angela after the accident, I always wanted a little girl. I always dreamed of having a little girl. Yeah. Maybe we think like, is Ricky get neglected because she's got this new girl that she's more excited about? And so Ricky, like he's angry in the movie. And so yeah. like, maybe you get a little bit of a vibe from that. Yeah, but he, he, definitely angry, but he, you know, adolescent boy, whatever. But not jealous of Angela. No. He, and he's super protective of her protective. and just su- like, like you said, you know, like I said, I will never tell. Like the, he, he, there's a secret that he has. He knows what's going on, and he's protective. He's actually a good ally. He's yep. a good, he's a good, very, very good character. Well adjusted, almost. Other than his foul, being an adolescent boy, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, speaks speaks like like trash, and and but uh, he just wants to hook up, and you know, and just protect his uh his sister. Yep. So good, good for him in those in those uh, accounts. Agreed. All right, we'll go to the next segment, death scene. I mean, this you know there was there was about twelve deaths. Yep. Um, I'll, let me let me just get yeah, this please. right out of the shoot. I'm gonna go with Meg. Uh, Meg was a counselor for the girls' bunk, and she was just a bitch. I mean, yeah, right. She was just a bitch to Angela. Clicky. Yeah, very like snobby, like cool kid in school type. You know, whatever. And uh, she just picked on Angela a lot, and uh, Angela had enough, or so we think. Uh, it, it just seems like there's a theme as you go along in this movie that if you cross Angela, something's going to happen. Right. So, and you don't know, is it, is it, is it Ricky? Is it Ricky is it because he's being protective? Is it Angela? Is it some character you haven't seen yet? Is it the, is it Aunt Martha that comes back and she's the one? Yeah, is it a the, little, uh, Nightmare on Elmish? Or I'm sorry, uh, Friday, Friday the 13th, 13th ish. Yep. Yeah. So Meg is about to jump in the shower of the bunk, you know, of the cabin next door by herself, getting ready to go on a date with Mel. Another cringe moment. And our rock star of a owner of a campsite dating a counselor who is probably 17, 18 years old. And Mel had to be, I don't know, 65. This guy looked old as shit. I mean, I'll just say in his wardrobe, um, he looks like uh, what I would think um, Hugh Hefner's golf caddy would look like. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. There's lots of uh, stripes and plaid and tall socks and... I don't know what counselor he is, but um, he's dressed for the the golf course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Meg's taking a shower, very homage-ish to uh, Psycho. Like I said, this movie is very Hitchcockian. Yep. You see a lot of hands, shadows, not a close-up death, got music, score. You know, the the director, he's he must have a hard-on for Hitchcock. So... Because I felt like those elements were in the movie as you went along. And even the name Hitchcock, we get a little bit at the end. <laughs> so Meg's just taking a shower. Knife goes through the shower, right? Through the aluminum divider. Yeah, whatever the, the casing of the shower is. Very strong individual. Goes right through the shower, right in her back. Goes right down, rips her apart. But what I liked about it, when the door swings open in the cabin, you see a silhouette of the killer. Yep. And you still have no idea what what is that. Because it's just a silhouette of a shadow. You know, as you open the door, the shadow casts into the room onto the floor. And you see this person holding a knife. And you're just like, oh, Meg, you gone and fucked up. Oh, by all. So that, that, that's my favorite death scene. I'm going a little bit more on the comical side because there are some very interesting, unique kills in this one. Um, so I, I have to say, just out of pure comedy, I'm going with uh, Billy's uh, death oh. in, in the 48-minute point in the movie. As a little bit of a tribute back to uh, last week in our Candyman podcast, um, oh, yeah. Billy got them bees. <laughs> and did he ever? I'll tell you right now, and uh, I'm talking bees and not the ones that um, Judy developed over uh, last summer. Um, we're talking about <laughs> the killer type. Oh, yeah. Billy and a bunch of the, the boys are on a roof having a water balloon fight, and one of them 
pegs Angela big time with a water balloon. Well, Billy was a scumbag from the oh, start. Oh, yeah, big time. So yeah, he was, was just, an asshole. <laughs> he was picking on Ricky. He's oh, a, yeah. Huge douche. He's like an older. He's a, he's a Trevor-ish yep. type. There's a lot of those in this movie, by the way. So take your pick. Lots of Trevors. Um, so anyway, they th- they hit Angela with a water balloon. And so you know already something's going to go down. Um. And so they're all going to play uh, softball. Uh, Billy says, uh, "I'll catch up with you guys. I gotta go take a wicked dump." <laughs> wicked, wicked dump. So yes. he grabs he grabs a magazine and he goes into the uh, loo, and he's doing his business in there. All of a sudden, you see this um, wooden stick get slid between the doors, essentially locking them in. Whoever's in the stall. You don't hear this. No one sees it or anything. Then all of a sudden you see above the back of the toilet, there is a screen and you see hand come up with a butcher or not a butcher knife, but a knife and, you know, carves a big X into the screen, opens it up. And he's like, oh, what the, who is that? You're like, what's going to happen here? Uh, They're cut the screen open. They're going to, they're going to kill him with the knife. Right. Then all of a sudden you see a fucking beehive get entered into the screen and, just shaking up. and Billy starts getting real. He's like, oh, my God. He starts trying to break his way out. And um, the person shakes the stick and the beehive falls in. And you just hear him screaming. He's trying to break open the doors. Nothing's doing. And finally, door breaks. He falls out. And he's just like, he's covered. Dead. He's oh, chewed yeah, up. Awful. Um, whole thing. Bad news bears. It was just uh, face covered in bees. Um, he got real real tore up oh, um yeah. but in a hilarious way um interesting way to to kill somebody um bunch of bees taking a dump bunch of bees taking a dump so um i thought it was more interesting than the typical horror kill and uh probably yeah. led to what you see later on as the horror genre develops into like these kind of like very interesting they almost like they try to like out kill each other in a weird way in like every movie. So I thought this really did a great job of sort of being one of the early ones. And there's, there's, there's many other choice deaths as you get along in this movie. So we just picked out two early on, uh, or actually kind of midway through the movie. Um, but there's some, some choice ones, uh, and disturbing ones. Uh, so it's got it all. So more, more fun is had, uh, so to speak, uh, the ways that the yeah that, that, you you got to just go watch it because you're gonna get to see the Judy death which is whew, it's a very fitting fitting <laughs> fitting, fitting way to go yeah uh, it, it involves a a, a a hair curler curling and, iron set set on eighties <laughs> yeah <laughs> that thing's ready that thing's ready to tease um, torture <laughs> and kill yo a hundred percent. Uh, let's move along. Next segment. Now, this this we'll we'll, we'll have fun with this. I'm sure, right? Well, that was dumb. <laughs> Let me just start off here. Please. <laughs> you mentioned about Artie's death. When you fall, don't grab the boil uh, the boiling water and bring it down on top of yourself. That was dumb. Super dumb. Uh, um, Mike and Kenny, don't go harass Angela. And call her Looney Tunes, because you meet your demise, both of you. That was dumb. Actually, Mike, I don't think he did. Yeah, just um, just Kenny, Kenny, in Kenny the boat. in the boat, in the boat. Yep. Hey, hey, Bobbery Bob. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that that's just a couple. Uh, any more you got? Because there there was a lot of dumb moments, but the the one that stood out to me that I I was like um how the fuck did that work was your favorite kill scene was the Meg. So when Mel's looking for Meg, he finds out that, Oh, she was taking a shower in one of the, in the place. So he, you know, he gets excited about oh, that. Yeah. So he opens the door to go in and he's walking around in there. And all of a sudden, like for some reason, out of the force of gravity, yeah. Meg, f- the curtains holding Meg up somehow. And she just comes plummeting out. And of course, Mel's not my Meg. <laughs> my Meg. Yeah, I had to rewind that. I'm like, why? How the hell did she fall that way? And why did it take so long? So yeah, that was dumb. Also, when they find Kenny dead, they're like, "We'll wait till the autopsy comes back." Well, they fucking know he drowned. We <laughs> mean the autopsy to come back. They're gonna find. Did he drown from someone else drowning him, or did he drown himself? Um, I don't understand what they're waiting back and who's going to give the fucking camp as autopsy, right? Yeah, like, and, and Robbie alludes, you know, Kenny's a really great swimmer. 
you know, right at right at the end. So again, Mel being dumb, you know, just hiding another death at his camp. Oh yeah. There's a scene where <laughs> this is just hilarious to me. I don't know why. Ricky, who uh, I guess in the previous summer was uh, locking lips with uh, Judy. Judy gives him the big cold shoulder this time. Um, she's hanging out with the older boys because she's developed and she's now moving on to the older boys. They're showing interest in her. so And she should. Yeah. And so Ricky's like, come on. I mean, as long as she's not giving any attention to Artie. <laughs> right. Judy, Judy's that typical bimbo, I guess is the right word. Yeah. For the <laughs> genre. Know, that's for, for that genre. Yep. Ricky catches her after. He's like, well, what were you doing talking to those guys? Who are they? He's like, they're just some boys I met today. And he says, aren't they a little old for you? And she goes, well, girls mature faster than boys. Rick goes, bullshit, you know that's not true. I'm like, mm, I think it actually is true, Ricky. I think he's you're- getting so mad. <laughs> he's so mad. So mad at her. There's a lot of male versus female angst and, and just bad vibes. Cringe, more more cringe as, as those relationships unfold. Yep. How, how males just treat women in this. Yeah. All, all of them. <laughs> you know, there's, there's no, you know, like I said, there's Ricky's kind of a, you know, addict or Judy. Yep. Because Judy's not giving him the time of day. You got, uh, uh, Billy trying to get the whole group of girls to skitty dip, like really pressuring them. And then they just get naked in front of her and <laughs> in front of the women and just jump in the water. And the one fucking nice guy in the whole movie, Paul, he's throwing out, he's, he's roaming hands every two minutes with Angela. He's like forcing her to kiss him. He's like, Oh, he's like moving right in. Like, Hey, I'm, nice I'm just going to dominate you. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, and, he put, uh, he's grooming. Yes. He's he's a big time groomer. All right, I have two more. Yes. Judy during the volleyball game wearing a shirt that says Judy. Oh. oh. <laughs> um, maybe that was a cool thing, but I think wearing a shirt with your own name on it, like not like number fourteen Judy. This just says Judy on the front. Like it's fucking a guest shirt or something. You know what I mean? It just I don't know where she got this thing, who made it for her, but I just thought that was kind of dumb. <laughs> it's crazy. I'm going to get a shirt and just put Jason. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and the last one is a big one. This is All very right. important and critical to the movie. Okay, it's really not, but I wanted to just see if everyone perked up in their chairs. Um, so <laughs> huh? when they're leaving, they're leaving to go to camp, and they're going for the summer, right? Yeah. Their bags are the size of a fucking oh. bowling ball. Like, now I know that the shorts are short. Like, they are yes. short. The The are, crop tops are corrupt. Yeah. We're talking about very minimal clothing. So maybe you could probably roll up and fit like a 30 rack of shorts in some of these bags. But these are the teeniest fucking bags I've ever seen. So I don't know how you're going to camp with this tiny bag, especially big important scene. Where the fuck did Ricky put that cowboy hat that he wears to the dance? Right. That thing was massive. It looks oh, like- I'm glad you you mentioned that because R- Ricky's hat game was fucking strong. Oh, man. he was he in the first scene when he was going to camp, he's got World Lacrosse 1982 Brine hat. I'm like, what is that? And where can I find that on eBay? That thing was so hot. Yeah, but this like um this like doily of a cowboy hat that look he looks like Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber. Like this thing is massive. Where did he fit this thing in that bag? Maybe he got it at camp, but I don't know who's like selling cowboy hats there. Maybe that's a side hustle. Mozart already has Mozart, Mozart. definitely Mozart. Um. So uh, yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we're 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 leaving a very key ca- character in this Mozart out. I've got Mozart. Have- I want to talk about him, and All I right. will. So let's not even talk about him yet. Okay. Because I'll tell you why I want to talk about him. Excellent. Um. What would you do? I'm gonna come right out, throw a heater. I'm just not gonna fuck with Angela. Yeah. That's what, that's what I learned. I think that's. I, a very- I can't. I'm a kid. I can't leave camp can't tell the counselors because they're fucking idiots that's true you pretty much just have to be super duper nice to everybody because they'll fucking kill you if you're not (laughs) well i was gonna say that in my mind um i can leave right i'm gonna call my parents all these other kids are leaving they're down to only 25 kids in the camp as these death keys happening so i'll call my parents and get me the fuck out of here all right you're caught et phone home you're like First of all, get me out of here. First of all, they the food sucks because yes. they they've they fired you have a pedophile of a cook. They fired and James Earl Jones' dad. Yeah, they fired they fired Chef Artie. Okay, and um, I heard that he was trying to um, whip up a recipe that would even please the picky eater of Angela. We never knew what that recipe was. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I want to know. <laughs> We're never gonna find out. Um, 
but yeah, I think um I think I'm calling my folks saying like, please get me the fuck out of here. Like, dude, there's been like three deaths, Dad. Can can you come pick me up? Yeah, I'm telling you right now, my mom would have been like, no, listen, you just you make some friends. <laughs> make some friends. My my mom was also from uh, from the Bronx, so uh, the New York accents in this are very fitting and uh, they're very familiar to me because all my family uh, talks exactly like that. So um, it was uh, it was like a trip back home. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, heavy heavy New York accent. Love it. Yankee shirts. One kid had a Red Sox hat. I mean, he just had it all over. No the one place. talked to him. He was just he was <laughs> no, the outcast. That kid was in the background of the cabin one at one point, and that was it. You know, the director pulled him. He's like, "What the fuck is this? <laughs> all right, Red Sox hat. Who would wear this? Are thing? you serious? You crazy? All right, uh, so we're done there. All right, uh, this will be fun. <laughs> they, this is where this term I I, I want to say originated from, but it it, it wasn't. I'll yep. be honest to my brother. But uh, it's 100% super fitting. This could be the Angela Award. Uh, they ain't never going to be right. <laughs> so where do you want to start? Do you want to start when John died and, and there was a surviving kid? Like that kid's not going to be right? Yeah, I think you de- you can definitely start there. there. I think There's a candidate, yeah. Anyone growing up with Aunt Martha, not going to be right. No. We well, can go Ricky, ahead Ricky, I think, is a solid individual. Yeah, he, 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 we, he we survives. Don't how, we don't know how much time he spent with his dad. Probably a lot. Angela spent all her time with Aunt Martha. Is what we're, she wasn't away from home. We know that Ricky's dad was away from home. So I think we're going to go ahead and buy that. So I'm going to say anyone who lived with Aunt Martha grew up or, with Aunt or Martha. Or Aunt Martha. She, she ain't right. Nope. So she you, was never right. She ain't never going to be right. Yes. So, um, I mean. Artie. Artie's never going to be right. The dude's got oh. burns across his whole body. Um, I mean, good for that. But he ain't never going to be right. No. No, he, he he's unfortunate. Um, Ronnie and Susie, the camp counselors that oh, yeah. at the end of the movie uh, find the killer. Let's just yep. put it right there. The killer holding a severed head. Yeah, we'll just leave it there. Yep. Um, they they ain't never gonna be right. Oh, big time, Ronnie. Yeah. Uh, anyone who anyone who survived. Well, and there I, weren't many. I don't know if anyone saw what they saw, right? So you would imagine maybe True. the police came and like put a, you know, arrested that killer or put a blanket around the killer or whatever so that other kids can't see. But Susie and Ronnie oh, yeah. saw it in that, it, it all, all of its glory. That uh, gurgling sound that <sighs> the killer's making. It's, yeah, that's... Uh, and that goes on for like thirty seconds. It's like it's creepy. Oh, big time! It's- um, it, it, my, and 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 I'll throw Ricky in. Why not? I mean, it's it's uh, yeah. He survives, so he, he there. There's an element where this killer affects him. Yeah, and and Mel and Mel believes that Ricky is the killer. Oh yeah, and so Mel, after he sees Meg dead. He pulls Ricky aside, and he does the most hilarious fucking Donkey Kong on on Ricky's chest yes. um, until Ricky appears to be motionless. It's literally his Oscar moment. So please watch the f- scene, and you just get to see the overacting Oscar award for this movie goes to Mel. Yep, for just this glorious revenge beating of a twelve year old. I forgot something. Oh no! I have to go back. Let's circle back. There's, um, no, there's no rhyme and reason. It goes here. with Mel. It's oh. a it's a it's a really key moment because I think it goes to Mel's uh, stupidity <laughs> and overacting. The Mel Mel's the worst. So, <laughs> so when, when what, and, what makes this guy more like the worst camp ca- uh, owner ever? Like let's. It's ninety degrees at this camp easily. Everyone's hot. The water's warm at night. It's a hot summer. People are sweating. Angela gets hit with a single balloon, and. After uh, Mel, you know, punishes the the kids who were responsible for it, he says, "Angela, you better go in and change before you catch pneumonia." <laughs> uh, wh- she got hit with a single water balloon <laughs> in the summer, and she's gonna catch pneumonia. A oh, fun fact: movie was record was filmed in the fall. 
So she maybe she really was going to catch pneumonia. Maybe, maybe he just cut. He 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 didn't know he was uh, still acting and just said a real <laughs> moment like, "Go change your shirt, Felissa. Go change and, your shirt." And and the way that Mel's character was, he was a super creep, and maybe he just wanted her to have a wet T-shirt. Who knows? Very <laughs> possible. So, but no, it was yeah. Fun fact: uh, the movie was actually recorded in the fall because there was a scene at night when there was actual. Um, a fog over the water, yep. and you're just like, what the fuck temperature is it right a, now? It's a bit odd. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, I, I'm no meteorologist, but uh, something ain't right. <laughs> well, that was dumb. <laughs> so, uh, Too many it, dumb moments to have in one segment. we got to spread them out. Yeah. Uh, where are we? Um, so we got, they ain't never going to be right. I mean, we got so many candidates. A- Aunt Martha, anyone around Aunt Martha, Angela, Baker, Ricky, Ronnie, Susie. I mean, Artie. <laughs> Artie. Uh, Ricky, Ronnie, Susie. What is that? The Backstreet Boys? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm sorry. New Kids on the Block. Ricky, Bobby. No, 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 no. New or New Order or what's the? Oh, uh, uh, New Edition. New Edition. <laughs> Ricky, Ronnie, Bobby. <laughs> sorry. I digress. I like how you did the dance move with that. that was, yeah, I, I was I was giving a little shimmy. Yeah, you, know? you got all Pat Benatar and Love is a Battlefield <laughs> there with them shoulders oh, just yeah. swinging them around. <laughs> all right, let's get to alternate ending. Um, okay, you got to let me take this one. <laughs> well, let me. I'll be quick. Okay. Uh, Aunt Martha should just be killed. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yep. Just run, run over with a, with a truck. Uh, <laughs> and you'll all know why. Yes. So this is, um, and I hope this isn't too much of a spoiler, is that the killer in the movie was not the real killer. Um, the killer is the one kid who got horribly bullied the entire time and hazed and made fun of and teased. And that's Mozart. Oh, I'm going, Mozart is the killer. Oh, okay, because <laughs> he had the knife. He had the knife. And that knife just kept getting, and, and nobody tied that back. So the camp counselor in that room nope. took the knife because Mozart literally was running after Ricky. With a knife. Say, I'll fucking kill you. With a knife. So you have all these red flags and Mozart, yeah. So maybe maybe in the uh, so alternate maybe, ending. Yeah, they're it, like, okay, this plot doesn't work. We make Mozart the killer because he's like the quiet behind the scenes. And he's he's doing it more for the fact that he sees another person being bullied and it triggers him to act. And these are the same oh, people yeah. that are picking on him too so yeah um just as a quick yeah that's a quick change um yeah no mozart the unsung hero that you'll never know in this movie like if just follow you know follow his path if you go back and rewatch this movie eh, keep it keep a close eye on mozart he does something that that is supposed to be impossible the impossible setup we're not going to explain what that is you have to watch the movie to see but you ever play play that game no no no, but Mozart is able to achieve the impossible sense. Yeah. So if you're not, if you're unfamiliar, it's kind of like light of the light as a feather, stiff as a board. Very true. If people know that, uh, yeah. All right. Well, very very quickly, rate the soundtrack, rate the score. So I'll just say that the score is like way over the top. Like it starts early in some scenes, and it's during like these, but it's like these massive loud swells of like cacophony and horns and Disney. strings. It's Fantasia, man. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, what is going it's on? Like, yeah. It's like, yeah. what the fuck is happening Cha- right now? But it's like so overbearing yeah. that you're like, like, yes, I get it. Yeah. It's very, <laughs> it's, it's very like foreshadowing. Cause it's showing like the scenes of the camp while it's playing this like terrifying music. And you're like, something bad is happening. Like you expect it to be like, it starts out in the intro is more like happy, quiet, serene lake. No, no. They go with like right into this, like music as it's showing the scene. And so you're like the, the juxtaposition of like serene, peaceful, calm lake that you're seeing visually, you're hearing a very different thing. And it's like already getting you into a spot where you're going to be tense. And then it kind of quiets down, and then we get to see the opening scene. But the opening scene also very loud with the boat and the screaming and everything, but the music is just way over the top for that. But, like you said, there's there's not many different... I think there's like only three different scores in the whole um, movie, and it's by the same guy, uh, Frank. I think Frankie Vinci. 
There is one song when they're at that dance. Right. It's in the background. I didn't really pick up on it. I was hoping the soundtrack would have it, but I didn't see it. But there is a song. So pay attention to that, listeners. We we didn't, unfortunately. Sorry. We were paying more attention to the score because it was it was pretty involved. Yeah. Um, and it was very uh dedicated to the movie. Like some of the some of the I mean, I'm do you have the titles of these songs? I did have them, but I like what's the Angela theme song? Yeah, it's called like isn't it just called Angela's theme song? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's it, and it's a very popular part of the whole cult classic type uh, genre of music. So we have Angela's theme, we have Tonight Your Mine, and Take a Chance. Yeah, but all scores like yes. right? They're they're not actual songs. No, not actual so, songs. Yeah, so that's very unique. This guy developed these music, you know, based on what he was watching. He kind of put it all together. And yeah, there's kind of this like um this. Uh, light uplifting strings that happens during these love scenes that almost like uh, think of um, it's always sunny in Philadelphia theme like yeah. it's like this very light uplifting kind of playful music and then the only other real music in it is like the again the the chaos the cacophony of these like mm-hmm. out of tune sounding horns and swelling up and crescendos and it's no, just like all great words yeah it's like a that's the only way i can describe this thing it's 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 a mess of music that works so well all right so we've done three movies where, where do you put this i'm gonna say because it's so over the top and maybe it was like clunky yeah, it, it didn't it didn't flow as well in the grand scheme of things, and it didn't add anything to the kill scenes except for more noise to some degree. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to give it a five. I think it just wasn't mixed properly, I think, to really fit with the movie. I think it was high-pitched and screechy in some ways, and so like it took away from, like again, what we have seen before, which is kind of that quiet calm before the storm build up this was like you knew someone was gonna die because it's like you know it's like right in your face so back to my hitchcockian theory of how he kind of overlaid the soundtrack and the score and the music to the scenes that were happening Uh, especially with thrilling parts and horror like the music was really trying to paint a picture as well as what you were seeing with your eyes now what i did like about the music and the score is that they act the titles right the way that this guy ricky was what the Vincini? Oh, uh, Frankie Vinci? Vinci. The way that he created this music specifically for this movie. So he was creative in that aspect. And, you know, he, he, he this music only lives in this movie. Yep. And it Agreed. makes sense. So five makes sense uh, of the three we watched, probably on the lower tier. But yeah. Um, you were kind of up against uh, other, you know, just other, you know, better scores. It, it, it's 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 been a hard one. I think all the the movies we've picked so far. Again, we were talking that it's like more old school, like minimal kind of tunes. Yeah, that yeah. Happen in a lot the, of in the movie. well, other than I, I think Candyman, even though it was considered low budget, sort of. I mean, it did have actual actors. It was yep. actually you know, but uh, if you're talking this movie and Texas Chainsaw, I mean, their budget that they were dealing with it was like. none really went to the music yeah Yeah. (laughs) so and and, and as we get along especially throughout this podcast people we're going to get to some of these big budget horror movies that is going to have some crazy bangers in it and and those will be fun so uh we'll we'll leave the segments there do we want to tease the end of this movie or do we want to keep the listeners uh guessing here I think we keep them guessing. I think yeah. you have to watch it because we want you to have your minds blown and we want you to Yeah, we don't want to spoil too much other than we just kind of took you through the movie um uh, with our with our segments. But I'm telling you, we we are leaving we are burying the lead right now. Oh yeah. And and I think with with, with good cause and I think we we wanna see your comments. Is this the first time you've seen it? Have you already seen it and you are you're gonna watch it again? Yeah. Comment on the Instagram. You can you can follow at Real Thrills Podcast um, on Instagram. Um, it has our link to Spotify on there. Um, but go on and give us your suggestions. Send us a DM. Um, you know uh, whatever. Share it with your friends. But um, what do you want to see? And also, what have you rewatched? If you yes. like something, we want to know. Did yeah. we inspire you? So far, a lot of people feedback that I'm getting from some of you listeners out there. You listen to the pod, you go rewatch the movie. That's exactly what we're trying to do here. You know, we, we create these funny segments and that, just have fun with it. Uh, we talk about some of the death scenes, not all. Uh, just giving you what we thought was cool, what wasn't, what was funny. You know, trying to just keep it more lighthearted. I mean, we do yeah. kind of review kind of the whole movie. 
we try not to, but it just kind of naturally happens that way. Sometimes through our we segments. have to, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's for you to enjoy. And if you f- see a movie out there, I think we're going to be more recent in our next one. Uh, we'll tease it right now. We're going to do The Hills Have Eyes, the, the remake. We're going to make the remake from 2006. Yeah, so uh, get out there, go watch it, uh, You know, put together your own segments, whatever, and uh, follow along with us. See, see if we got it right. Yeah. Before we end, I just want to say that, and maybe this will be something we have to add for uh, specific movies, because I think if we follow anything in the 80s, we're going to have this moment, which is um, greatest lines. <laughs> oh, oh, you have some great lines? I just want to give you one. Oh, please. I just want to give you one that I thought was like so outrageous, but also like uh, so poetic at the same time. During the softball game, um, oh, okay. one of the batters comes up and Ricky says just throw it in there this guy blows dead dogs <laughs> yeah. and you're like what the fuck and then the guy goes Ricky's got a lot of yeah. choice ones he says eat shit and die Ricky and Ricky says eat shit and live <laughs> <laughs> um, Ricky's not line. afraid of anybody those kids oh, were much older weren't they like the counselors that he was talking shit to oh my god he goes on these tirades diatribes whatever you might call them of of vulgarity and uh, he holds his own with anybody. I mean, he'll he'll go toe to toe verbally with just about anybody, and physically in many of these situations yeah. as well. Um, but anyway, I just thought that that was a good line to throw in there that I thought was uh yeah. Follow Ricky. <laughs> he he he. You know he he's kind of the uh, he's kind of the star, right? You could play a drinking game with this movie. Um, oh wow! Every time Ricky says "fuck," oh Jesus Christ! You'll be trash before you see the ending. You won't even know what happened. Yeah, You'll think you, you imagined it. But like I said, we said in the beginning, only 84 minutes long. People aged very well. Uh, movie, cult classic, made 30 times more than what the budget was. Uh, and it speaks volumes of some of the elements, the themes that it had. I just want to end on this note. Uh, I mean, ahead of its time with elements of gay dads, with kids, um, tragedy with happens and kids get kind of messed up and the craziness of Aunt Martha, like that could be its own movie. Like, Agreed. well, let's just follow Aunt Martha for a day. Um, That's a Hitchcock film. Yeah. Cause, uh, and like I said, you, you hit it right there. Hitchcockian vibes throughout the whole movie, thriller, horror, twist, and a bunch of kids dying. Like you don't, you don't really get to see that. It's right. Rare. Yep. He's, it's mainly teenagers and adults. This is, this is, this is a spin. So, uh, cold classic, hundred percent all the way. You, you, if you listen, you'll be one of the many. I mean, a, a lot of people enjoy this. They still play it today. Um, and and hell, Eric's getting cameos for his buddies with uh, Angela sure. herself. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, uh, please go on, check it out, um, and uh, catch us next week. Um, we're gonna be doing the same thing, bullshitting about horror. So, yes. Um, hopefully, you enjoyed. And uh, yeah, peace out. Later, everyone. Yeah.